Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. This is Gunnar Monson, host of Monster X Radio and the founder of Sasquatch Coffee Company. Uh, check us out at www.squatchcoffee.com. Um, Sasquatch Coffee, have you tried it yet? And this weekend was uh, the conference up in the uh, inaugural Habituators Conference up in Bremerton, Washington, hosted by uh, Dr. Matt Johnson. Um, I talked to a couple of people who were there, and they were saying that, that it was a good conference, um, well attended, um, some interesting um, presenters. So um, if you got a chance to go, um, let us know how it, how it went. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to a, a friend of ours, Jess Southern, that, that uh, was uh, had an accident on her, on her quad yesterday. Um, glad that she's... Um, okay, she's. Uh, we wished her a speedy recovery. Uh, Jess, you uh, you take care of yourself. Um, with me, as always, is my good friend and uh, the most busy Bigfoot researcher in the world is uh, <laughs> Shane Corson. <laughs> Shane, how are you, buddy? Oh, doing doing well, man. Doing well. <laughs> busy indeed. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the busiest, but I am. I'm busy. <laughs> You are you are busy. You you get out there. In fact, you said were telling me before we were chatting that you were out uh, in our area. Well, you, that was today, and that you were uh, checking out the game cams and and uh, changing out cards and and uh, how was that? Uh, was it was a little wet today. Yesterday was was a beautiful day here on the coast, but uh, how was it out at at the in the Tillamook Forest 
today. You know, I shouldn't be surprised, but it was wet. It was uh, it was raining. It was a light rain. I thought it was going to be dry. Um, I was mistaken and should have known better. But uh, you know, it it was wet, but uh, not not too wet. You know, uh, very tolerable. And uh, it was just a lovely day, actually. Overall, I got a lot accomplished. Got to scout some areas and uh, um, enjoying my time out in the woods. Well, cool. And you. You said that you you looked a little bit at the the uh, pictures on your game cam and and uh, had a little bit of action, no bigfoot action, but uh, got some deer on there. And you, yeah, it's interesting is that you were saying it's the first time that you've actually um, got deer on there in a, in an area that we know that there are are quite a few deer and elk. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact. It's an area I place this trail cam there specifically because of the amount of um, traffic. Uh, I place it in an area where there's about four different game trails co- heading into one uh, near a stream, and they all have to kind of inter- they all intercede each other, and have, you know whatever crosses that has to cross this particular path. And uh, was you know every time I go out there, I find fresh elk scat, um, elk tracks, deer scat, deer tracks. I found. Um, I believe, you know, fox tracks out there and stuff like that. And uh, I was getting a little annoyed because uh, I expect at least to get some of the the game out there uh, that are present all the time. And it it was getting a little bit frustrating. But uh, finally I did get some, I got quite a few videos of deer within a week span, um, standing in front of the camera at a distance and even, you know, booking it, like something was chasing them or they were just spooked or whatever, or just having a good time, who knows. But, Finally got some action on there, so I feel a little bit more confident uh, about that area. You know, I've, I've hit the camera really well, as much as you can. So I'm right. going to keep it there and, uh, you know, see what happens. But, uh, you know, progress. I got something on the cam, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> well, cool. I'm glad to hear that that uh, he had some success. We're still looking for the money shot uh, for a squatch when he's grinning into the your tail cam there. That'd be, uh, yeah, we're chasing deer <laughs> or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah something running uh, by. Yeah. So you're using video on your trail cam, so that um, you get you get little clips of of uh, video instead of just single pitch snapshots, which is cool. Yeah, so. yeah, but roughly roughly thirty second clips, you know, uh, roughly. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a good good it's a good chunk of time, and uh, you know. I, I just prefer video over just a, a still shot, you know, because um, I can do this video for 24-7, catch something at night or, you know, during the day. So I just find that to be, uh, well, more interesting and, and uh, you know, you get the whole picture rather than just a picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, our guest today is, is Mark DeWirth. He's uh a long-time Bigfoot researcher um, from Ohio and um, puts on the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, which is coming up soon. Um, let's, uh, let's get Mark on the air. Hey, Mark. How's it, how's it? Hey, Gunnar. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, buddy? Oh, just tired after a long weekend of camping, but uh, <laughs> very tired, but... Uh, but surviving. I'm glad that you sent me the message. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
when you so you're out camping, were you were you uh, also bigfooting? Oh, I took some looks around into some areas. I was in Mohican Memorial Forest, which is kind of in central Ohio, and uh, I was with my son's Boy Scout troop. But uh, always on the side, I'm always looking around and, and checking out some trails and some different areas in the in the forest on my own and and looking around, you know, while while trying to uh, get the kids involved too. So so that's you know that's part of the fun of it. So. Oh, very good. So tell us. We always like to find out how our um, our guests first came, got their interest in in bigfooting. What what uh, what led you into um, this crazy crazy bigfoot world? Well, you know, and I've always and I've, and I'll tell you, it was pretty simple. My grandfather my was responsible when. Uh, Typically, growing growing up as kids, my brother and I, every Friday we would go over to my grandparents' house with my mom and spend Friday evening and Friday night over there. And, uh, well, on Friday nights back in the 70s, the show In Search Of would come on with Leonard Nimoy. And so typically I always sat in Grandpa's lap and we would watch TV and watch our series of shows. And on one of the episodes of In Search Of, they talked about Sasquatch in British Columbia. And uh, after watching that episode, I go to my grandpa. I said, oh, wow, Sasquatch, that's incredible. Does it really exist? And my grandfather told me point blank. He says there's been sightings of them in Ohio. And I was, like, totally, like, kind of shocked and, and uh, like, couldn't believe it. And, you know, he mentioned cities like Mansfield, Ohio, and uh, Canton, Ohio, Minerva, areas like that in the state of having sightings, and especially in southern Ohio. So, you know, after hearing that, uh, when I went to school the following week, I went to the school librarian in elementary school and asked them if they had any books on legends. And because I was kind of a little embarrassed to say the word Bigfoot or Sasquatch, so I just kind of uh, had her kind of steer me to the area where those types of books were, and sure as heck I saw the word Loch Ness Monster, and then I saw one book that said Sasquatch on it. So I pulled it out, and it was Sasquatch. Sasquatch Apes Among Us, and it was by John Green. And I checked that book out, and I remember reading it cover to cover and with all the Ohio references, and I was kind of hooked. And then from that day on, my friends kind of knew I was always interested in it, and my grandfather obviously knew I was. So anytime any movie, any show, any anything about it, he would always call me and say, hey, and the TV guide on this day at this <laughs> time, this show's coming on, and... You know, so it was like one of those things that just, you know, and as I got older and things, you know, things started happening and all of a sudden I got interested even more after college, so. Oop, did we just lose him? Mark, no, no. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm there. I'm just, <laughs> okay. I figured I just, I could talk for like 90 minutes straight, so I better pause. <laughs> You're just taking a breath. After, after all, I, I after all, I just had a, a a cup of Yeti blend, so that's probably going to keep me up for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, but that's kind of similar to to my path in the Bigfoot. So uh, you've been you uh, have investigated a lot of reports, talked to a lot of witnesses. Have you had a, uh, a class? Have you had a sighting at this point or? Yeah, I, I, I saw something in 1997 It's in central Ohio, and I was out uh, looking for a badger den, 
And to make a long story short, on the way back out, something was following me out, and and I ended up catching a glimpse of this thing and manage, managing to videotape a little portion of it. But let's just say after after it all happened, after I, and I just was kind of blown away because then I realized that, you know, I, probably at that time I probably had interviewed maybe 60, 70 people. And, uh, then, you know, it's real hard when you investigate you know, reports, even if they have great story behind it. When you get out to a location, and I'm sure Shane can agree with this, is, is that, and you don't find any physical evidence at all. It's very frustrating. Well, back in the, like, the late 80s and early 90s and stuff like that, when I looked into a few reports then, you know, the, by the time you got the information, it was either a month old or year old or six months old. So, you know you weren't going to find a shed of anything. So you kind of tried to imagine what they were seeing, but then in the back of your mind, you know, you're trying to say, well, geez, maybe it could have been this. Maybe it was misidentification. You know, I try to really keep my skepticals on on all this stuff. But but after having that daytime encounter in 1997, you know, I just quickly realized, oh, my God, some of these people are telling the truth. And these things are in Ohio, and I just, it literally, I was shell-shocked. Ohio is one of the, the highest incidents of Bigfoot activity or reports that, that, that uh, in the country. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I grew up uh, in Oregon, which, of course, and uh, initially well, that was one of my reasons I got interested was because it's like, hey, this is our, you know, we've got a monster in our backyard or we've got a, a mystery here in our backyard. And then, you know, it was much later that I realized that, wow, they're, they're, uh, there's reports all over the country. And yes. of course, Ohio, you know, uh, Ohio is has high density of reports, so it's really cool. Um, well, I mean, Ohio has a lot of good things about it. It has north-south water water flow because you have the Ohio River Valley on the southern tip, and then you have Lake Erie on the northern tip. So you have a lot of water feeding in on both ends, and also mm-hmm. the the eastern part of the state. If you take a line, go Cleveland, Columbus, say down to even almost like just. Uh, let's say east of Cincinnati, you start getting into like those foothills of the Allegheny Mountains, and you know, yeah. it's just a kind of that rolling hilly environment. But I mean, and it does get a lot of rainfall too. And when you get a lot of rainfall, you get a lot of greenery, a lot of tree growth, a lot of thickness in the woods, and which obviously means a lot of food too. And then to to throw in the fact that it's not like Ohio has a lot of natural predators running around, like lots of cougars or or wolves or anything like that. We have coyotes, but the, the deer population is quite high, and the deer are quite large. So, very good food source. Um, what of, the, of all the reports that you, you've looked into, what, what would you say is like the most uh, compelling report that you've encountered, that you've investigated? Oh, geez, there's been so many of them. I mean, <laughs> I mean, geez, I mean, I'd have to you know which one that really got me? And, you know, years ago, we used to go to these meetings in Newcomerstown, Ohio, that Don Keating hosted. And there was an old, like, a county sheriff that would come to our meetings in his uniform, sit in the back of the room, and pretty much just listen. And I'd go talk to him and chit-chat. And, you know, he and I'd always ask him if he ever heard any of reports. And he said, eh, you know, I don't want to talk about it. You know, that one of those type of deals. Well, then finally one day I look back there, and there he is sitting in the back out of uniform. 
So I walk up to him. I said, hey, what's going on? We started talking. And I said, what? not in uniform tonight. He goes, oh, I retired. And I, and I go, oh, okay. And he goes, you want to hear my story? And I'm like, yep. So we went outside <laughs> and talked. And, and here uh, there's an area in the Woodbury Wildlife Area in Coshocton County, Ohio, very well-known area for Ohio Bigfooters. Um, not a lot of people actually go there anymore because they really don't know where to go. But I'll tell you what, I, if anyone's listening and you're from Ohio and you want to get a taste of Bigfoot where you're in seclusion, go there. And you'll, I mean, you could, there's a high probability if you're patient and you know where to look, you could have some serious activity. But, but to get back to the story is it actually happened in like February. So it was during like where there was, it was a pretty good snowstorm going and he was going down one of the dirt roads in the area of Woodbury and he was approaching a T in the road where there was a stop sign across from an old well pump and the well pump was there. It was used if the valley would flood, the pump would turn on, it would pump the water from the, from the overflow into these like strip pond lakes that were back in the distance, maybe about a half mile back. And uh, well, as he was approaching, he goes, he goes, I'm approaching to going down the road of my cruiser. And he says, I see someone walking across the road and he says, but it, they were wearing like a white parka. And he says, I started like slowing down as I'm coming up to the stop sign. And then I realized that, oh, my God, this thing's like two and a half feet taller than the top of the stop sign. So he hit his big spotlight on top of the cruiser on it. And when it did, it merely picked its arm up and tried to block the light. He could see the hair hanging in the arms. Well, as it did that, it kept walking in the direction of the stop sign. Well, when it did, it hit the stop sign. And when it did, he said the stop sign just went flop, flat, right to the ground, like he just plowed into it. And he said, oh, and he said he watched as he spotlighted this thing. He says this thing just goes right up this this hillside, like where a gas line was going up there, and just walked right up the hillside, like he said, like it wasn't even there. And he says, in all my years of observe, you know, seeing things and observing things, he says, I've never seen anything go up like that type of terrain because it was a very steep grade in thick snow and just do it that easily. And I said, so I go to him, I said. So why didn't you get out of the car? He goes, you think I'm crazy? He goes, I go, because I had a shotgun next to me and I didn't feel safe. But he said it was it was enormous. I mean, the top the stop excuse me the top of the stop sign was like eight feet off the ground, and he, he you know he was saying this thing was every bit nine ten feet tall, and uh, you know and to have a trained police officer see it at that distance with a spotlight. And especially with the history of that area of a white Bigfoot, it just really kind of, you know, cemented into my mind that the stories of the the white Bigfoot in that area were definitely true, especially the tracks that I found there, too. I mean, so, and they were enormous tracks. They were like 20 inches long. So, I mean, so I that's one that really stands out. But there's so many. I'd have to look through my files. There's so many good ones. And uh, um, that's, that's <laughs> a pretty good one over right the there. Years, you, yeah, oh, it's it's a terrific one, and to this day, I, I just and I hold him in the highest regard. I mean, just a great guy, and you know, he didn't want any attention. Doesn't ever ask any. Doesn't want to talk about it in front of other people. It was just his story, and he waited till he was retired to tell it. Wow, that's really cool. That's that, yeah. I think um, it's interesting that he, you know we waited till till he was uh, retired to to. Uh, I mean, even though he was coming to the meetings, he he didn't want to expose himself until after he was. And, and that that uh, to me sounds makes it sound uh, pretty credible. So 
Well, and also really too, cool. I think back then in the in the '90s, the mid '90s, even the late '90s in Ohio, if you called a called a law agency or a police you know police department and asked about sightings, they would you know they they'd hang up on you most of them. They didn't want to hear anything <laughs> yeah. about it. The state parks didn't want to hear anything about it. If you were in Salt Fork, which come on, you guys all know Salt Fork. That's where the conference is. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, years ago, I used to sneak into there, and it and a cruiser would pull up. What are you guys doing? Oh, you're looking for baby? Get the hell out of here! It was plain as day. They didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> now it's like, you know, you, oh, you're into Bigfoot? Come on in! You know, they they realize huh. it sparks tourism, and uh, you know they want to take advantage of it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's dollars and cents. That's just how everything is. You know that's the day and age we live in. But Mark, have you how you've taken in so I mean over two hundred reports, or you at least you've investigated. Uh, what are you know? You mentioned that this this uh, retired police officer. Have you had other um, credible reports from credible people, or at least uh, you know those in say law enforcement or military or uh, with certain backgrounds that led a little, lead into a little more credence. Yes, yeah, most definitely, and I, and I've had other people. I've had county sheriffs have reports. I had one county sheriff. He was bow hunting in Stark County, and uh, I mean, this is a pretty interesting report because typically bow hunters, you put your in Ohio, you put your stand up in your location. You'll start scouting the area either with game cams or you'll sit up in your in your stand and watch the herds or the or, or the turkeys go by and kind of get an idea when they're coming. Well, he said, well, when the season began, it was deer season, bow season. He he got out real nice and early, and typically you get out an hour before sun sunrise. So he got up there and got in his stand, got his safety strap on, and he was sitting and waiting. And he said he was typically expecting a herd of deer to come down this one ravine and come into this little open meadow in front of him. And he says, sure as heck is he sitting there. He says he just happens to notice he looks down like into the right of him, and that's where the field starts opening up, and that's where the deer herd would be coming through. And he says he noticed it like what he said was like a person kind of step out of the tree line and step back into the tree line. And he said it was probably about 40 yards away from him, but because of the moonlight and st- that was still out, he could still see like the shape of what he thought was a person. Well, you know, anything with hunter etiquette, when you're hunting on someone's land and he was on private land, he thought it was strange that anyone else would have permission to be in there. And plus he thinks that he says, I would have heard for someone traping through the woods up the hill to get up to this area. And he says, but he says, I didn't think anything twice. He says, I just kept, you know, kept quiet and and kept watching. And he says, I didn't see it again. He says, he says, then all of a sudden he says the deer start coming. And sure as heck, right on schedule is expected. Here comes the here comes the bucks with their does, and they're coming along. And he says, all of a sudden, he says he just hears like just like a loud smash crash sound. And all of a sudden, the deer come flying up toward him and by him in all different directions. Well, at first he was like, whoa, what's going on? And then he looked and he says, I see this large silhouette. Because it was very dark in shape, but it was still too dark to get a real good look. He says it was waving its arms like up above its head as it was running after the deer. He said the deer got all disoriented in the meadow, and some went one way. He said one way even came right under his stand into the woods. Others went the other way. 
and he said the thing drove him to the other side of the meadow. And when it did, he said, the deer that entered the woods within about 10 seconds, he started hearing, he said the only thing he could explain is like something getting torn apart alive. And he said the the, the, the dark form went into that wood line after him, and the sounds that were coming out of there, he said, like I say, he said he was so scared. He said, if, I mean, if he wasn't strapped in, he would have fell out of the stand. He said it was that it was that terrifying, the sounds that he was hearing. And he said the only thing I could explain is something's getting torn apart. And uh, so he thinks that he saw a Bigfoot driving a herd of deer into another area where there must have been other ones sitting there waiting. And then obviously when the when deer get disoriented, the other Sasquatch are waiting and they go in for the kill. And believe yeah. me, Ohio has lots of deer predation, and I've seen evidence for it. I've seen storage facilities where it looks like squatches have been storing them, and uh, it's it's quite incredible. Yeah, it sounds incredible, especially, you know, the description of it. It sounds like, you know, like a herding ambush situation, and with its uh, supposed Sasquatch with its arms above its head, there are so many reports where people are uh, have reported seeing Sasquatch uh, with its 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 arms above its head, waving them back and forth, and I find that fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of like a herding effect. It would be like in the it'd be you know sheep herders will do that. They'll they'll be on their horses and they'll be waving something up in the air to get the sheep to move too. So, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting report, and he was definitely one of these ones that didn't want to you know, uh, have his report published or anything, but, uh, but he just wanted to, you know, he said, I just have to get this off my chest. He says, you know, I've never heard of anything about it ever prior to that day. And, and it was just one of those instances that just really, you know, it shook him up to the point where he contacted me and, you know, and to, to have the guts to come forward, especially in the nineties too, you know, yeah. it's pretty, you got to give people credit because back then people were much much less inclined to come talk to people like us. And I'm sure that particular port, report uh, you won't find on the BFRO, correct? It, it was just oh, something related exactly. on you. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Those are ones that they don't want to be posted. They don't want the information up there. I keep them in files and things like that. And it's always good to have just something for reference. You know, if there's a report in the area, I can cross-reference to where that location was and you know, the thing is with Ohio, it's quite frustrating because what I'm finding out as as we get more into, you know, this the, the 2000s and now into 2015 is that they're closer to people than I ever imagined. I mean, they're actually sometimes coming close to decent-sized populations. And it's and I think we're like you guys are saying, like especially Gunnar was saying about being in Oregon. Yeah, you're out there and there's so much vast areas. They have a lot more of that vast area to be out in the real secluded areas where it seems like here in Ohio, they're constantly moving and they're following the creeks, the water. So they got to take risks and go through, you know, somewhat populated areas during the night to get from point A to point B. And uh, so I think that's what, what we're having is we're, we get a lot of reports because they have to make that risk. They have to make that, you know, that sudden calculation is this is a good place to cross. And I think that's what we're running into. Right. Well, it, it's it's fascinating you mentioned that because as far as the you know Sasquatch being in uh, human populated areas, because I mean, quite honestly, Mark, here in Oregon we get the same thing. It, it blows my mind. You know, uh, a lot of times I go back and we look at the info provided, uh, information provided, but it, it's true. Uh, I think it's got a lot to do with uh, where the 
you know, where they're at, where the food is at, and they have to make those risky decisions. Uh, but, I mean, don't get me wrong, here in Oregon we have plenty of space in wild areas, but a lot of the reports are from rather populated areas, and uh, that's a lot of times where we do a lot of our research is in areas where there are a lot of humans around uh, during specific time of years and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like in Ohio. I mean, one thing I think Ohio does have an advantage over some of the mountain states is is that when you get higher up in the elevation, there's less available food, too. So it forces the larger, like, uh, uh, omnivores, and especially the herbivores, down to lower elevations, which is closer to people, to feed to get that nutrition they need. And if the Sasquatch are predacious on those omnivores and those herbivores, you know, they're going to be down there, too, taking the same risk. So, uh, so I mean, that's the one thing. Eastern Ohio is kind of like the foothills of the Alleghenies and starting to get into the small areas of the Appalachians. And so we have this kind of up-and-down terrain where you drive and you're going up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, down a hill. So, I mean, it's it's not the big mountains like out by you guys, but there's it's just a lot of rugged areas and a lot of farming and agriculture that's mixed in there. And with all that corn and soybean and other things they grow, it's just more food source. Right. And, you know, with, with all these reports you've taken in, and some of them fantastic reports from credible people with nothing to gain, uh, and with all of your research, Mark, um, over, you know, 20-plus years, have you uh, managed to uh, predict any patterns or supposed patterns or any ideas of the, the best times of year to go out in Ohio or the right place? Yeah, to most, be at? most, def- most definitely. I mean, we've we've really come to the conclusion that that the best times of the year for people to be going out is between March and the end of May, and then obviously from the end of September you know, into like November because, let's face it, when people are out and families are out, they're out during the summer months for one thing. And two, the woods here get so thick because of all the undergrowth that even if they're around, I mean, they could be 10 feet away in some areas and you could look all day and you wouldn't see anything. That's how thick it is. So you need to get into the woods when those opportunities, like right now the foliage is just like where I live, I live in northern Ohio up near Cleveland, so the budding is just starting to kind of sprout a little bit on the trees, where if you go down to by Salt Fork, which is 100 miles south, there's probably getting more leafage down there. So by the time, for example, when the conference comes around by May 15th, which is in three weeks, May 16th, excuse me, it, um, it's going to be quite green and lush, but yet the undergrowth still won't be so bad where you can go into the woods and have a decent look and be able to go off path and be able to to look a lot harder into areas. Gotcha. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. With with that said, do you believe that Ohio has, has possibly, you know, what are your thoughts on, say, is it a travel? Do they travel through Ohio? Do they are they there year round? Possibly. Uh, what are your thoughts on that sort of thing? You know, do they? You know, I, th- I they, think what can, we can, have is, I think we have home groups for sure. Mm-hmm. I think we have like a group in Northeast Ohio up in Ashtabula. You know, the Mahoning Portage, Geauga County area, and then I think you have a couple groups in in East Central Ohio that would be like Salt Fork. Coshocton area, and then, of course, extreme southern Ohio, which would be like Portsmouth, Athens. I'm sure you have groups down there, but that area is just 
so off the grid. And when I say off the grid, there's not a lot of population. So, and there's a lot of woods, a lot of national forests. And there's just not a lot of accessibility into those areas. So, yeah, we do get some reports from there, but we don't get as many as I think we should if there was population there. So, but yeah, I think they're staying year around. And I think, uh, I think that, you know, uh, let's face it, there's just so much private property in Ohio that does not see any human traffic. And these things are not stupid. They know, you know, areas where, where uh, they can, you know, be in seclusion and remain undetected because they are being, we are having tracks being found in the winter. We are having sightings in the winter. So they have to be around, you know, I think all year around, no doubt. With, uh, with them possibly being there year round, are you the type of researcher, Mark, that, uh, goes out to an area only because of a report or do you do you seek out areas where there's a lack of reports just because it's it's uh isolated? You know, I, I like doing that. I typically like finding nature preserves that never you know, that are in certain parts of the state that meet certain requirements like have an ample water source have ample accessibility to a larger even water source. Typically, creeks lead to rivers. Rivers lead to either lakes or other bigger rivers. And then areas, and then what I typically do is I like looking at Ohio's deer kill, like in terms of the hunting season, to see where the most white-tailed deer are, are being taken. Usually that's another indicator that if there's a lot of white-tailed deer, there's usually a lot of, you know, possible Bigfoot activity. Um, the biggest thing is getting over the... the uh, you know, how should I say it? The the uh, the attitude of some of the people in certain areas of the state. Some people won't talk at all. For example, the Amish, which we have a lot in Ohio, they don't talk. Very, very. I've had one Amish guy in all these years ever tell me about Bigfoot. But other than that, they all just shake their head no. But I know they know something but they won't talk. So it just right. depends where you are. Sounds sounds very similar to a lot of uh Native Americans, you know, how how hush hush and uh you know whatnot they don't they don't they won't speak. Uh so the Amish I guess kinda of fall into that category. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean that's why when I was doing a lecture in Holmes County, Ohio, I was shocked to see an Amish guy sitting in the room. And he sat there in the back of the room and stayed quiet and didn't answer any questions. It was a packed house and and then at the end, there he was waiting around. So finally, as people cleared out, he came up to me and he says, do you know where so-and-so greenhouse is? I said, yeah, I have business right up the road in Shreve. And he goes, well, I think I've had three or four of these things coming through my pine. Because he had like a, he grew pine trees out in one section of it for like Christmas trees. And he goes, I, I think I've seen them on three occasions, two different animals. And, and, he, and he, goes, I, he goes, I had to come up and tell you because I, I just think that it relates to the other sightings in the area that he's seen in the paper, which there were a lot of sightings in this area over like a 14, 15-month period. So to have him tell me that was just like unbelievable. I was blown fantastic. away. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I've never actually uh, spoken to any Amish. We don't have a – actually, I don't know if we have any here in Oregon. <laughs> we got quite well, the if diverse – uh, If you need furniture, come out our way. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> they, they build unbelievable stuff. Yes, they do. Yeah. Hmm. So, Mark, the, you've got the, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference coming up. Why don't you tell us a little yeah, bit about what, what you've got planned and, and – uh, 
What's well, different about, you know, you know, go ahead. Well, you know, basically it's, you know, it's, it's the official dates, May 16th. It's at Salt Fork State Park Lodging Conference Center outside of Cambridge, Ohio and Guernsey County, Ohio. And, uh, you know, it's an event that I've been involved with for, you know, probably 15, 18 years now. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just to the point where the event has just grown so much that, you know, I could have a Salt Fork facility that's double the size and fill it instantly. And, you know, when our tickets go on sale, they go, they this year they sold out in 12 hours, and it was 370 tickets. And uh, the hotel or the lodges, we call it, and all the state park cabins sell out instantaneously. And uh, it's just, it's it's kind of, you know, I guess like Tommy Amaron says, it's kind of like the premier event in the, in the country right now. Uh, you know, it's kind of unique because it's right out there in the middle of eastern Ohio, right where all the big reports are coming. So a lot of people like coming in and being able to stay right in the state park with a state forest there and uh, to say, hey, there was a Bigfoot sighting a quarter mile down the road, and yet I'm staying in luxury or and, and you know, having fun. So it's, it's kind of a, just a... You know, it's a really unique experience, and I would suggest to come out sometime. I think you guys would be impressed. Uh, we get thousands of people that come through, and uh, we have tons of vendors. Obviously, this year we have, oh, Mr. Bob Gimlin coming back to speak. He, he was here last year, and he basically said, Mark, I want to come back again. I feel good. I want to come back to Ohio. I have so many friends there. So I said, Bob, anytime you want to come back, you know, you just it's consider it done. And then I have John Kirk from British Columbia coming out. John's a fantastic speaker, fantastic author, awesome Sasquatch investigator, good friend too. And uh, and uh, you know, I can't speak of nothing but praise for John. And then we have Jim Sherman uh, from the BFRO in Michigan. Jim is probably you know, had some of the most successful recordings of alleged Sasquatch sounds of anyone I know, and, he, and he's just a great guy, and he's, he he, he uh, bleeds Bigfoot, let's say, and, uh, you know, he does a hell of a job up in Michigan, you know, do, doing his investigations and research, and, uh, you know, I always like to bring someone new into the into into the event to kind of open them up to the whole country and and like I say Jim's one of those speakers that uh, you know if you ever have an event and you're looking to bring someone east of the Mississippi Jim would be highly recommended um, and then we have Dr. David Floyd Dr. David Floyd from Charleston Southern University and one thing I like about Dr. Floyd is is his outlook on things he writes more about folklore and and uh, mythology and things like that but in in regard to like you know, in relation to people having, you know, boogeyman stories, ghost stories, Bigfoot, you know, creature type stories. And, and I thought that would be a very unique and different angle to present at a conference because let's face it, a lot of us when we were little, especially probably you guys living out West, you know, when your parents hear bad, oh, if you're bad, guess what? We're going to have Bigfoots in your closet or Sasquatches out there. So, you know, use it as the <laughs> boogeyman. So I, I think that will be a very interesting talk to hear and uh, to see what David has to say and, and I've heard nothing but good about him, so I'm excited to have him. And, of course, we have veteran cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman. And obviously, Lauren's been in this, you know, <laughs> probably, I don't know, 50 years, <laughs> maybe even more. I don't know. But uh, but Lauren is just a you know fantastic presenter and just has a wealth of information and just a huge asset to the event and so on. And, uh, and then, of course, I got music by Tom Yamaron, so that just, you know, 
puts the icing on the cake. I, I'd like to have Tom come out every year and do it because he's just a great entertainer, a great guy, and you know, like I said, he's very humble. Yet he's just you know, he's so appreciative of everything. So uh, you know, I love Tom, great man. So uh, and then of course we got all sorts of things planned. We have an advanced hike on Friday for the people that want to get out into some serious rugged areas and go squatching all Friday morning. Well, we will definitely have that like we traditionally do. And then we will have a VIP dinner Friday night at a restaurant in Cambridge, Ohio, a catered type event uh, where, uh, where Lauren Coleman will do a presentation there that night. And then we have a premiere on Friday night of the movie Something, uh, Something in the Woods, that was a, it's a it's a movie uh, based uh, by Michael Hall. He's involved with it in Texas. And if you haven't seen the trailer for it, just just uh, just uh, go on Facebook and type in something in the woods, and you'll see all the information about that. So that will be a Friday night treat. And then obviously the uh, the uh, Saturday will be the event. All the vendors. I mean, we probably have. 40 vendors, and uh, we will definitely, uh, you know, have a, it's going to be a, you know, packed house. It's going to be a mob. I mean, there, I, I can't imagine how many people are going to be. It's going to be a ton. And uh, and then uh, for Saturday night, we're going to premiere the Minerva Monster documentary that a lot of people have been hearing about and, and seeing. And, uh, you know, that Minerva is probably one of the most famous Ohio flaps of Bigfoot or alleged Bigfoot sightings ever documented with police involved with multiple witnesses and some strange twists to it too. So we're going to do the premiere of that there on Saturday night. And then of course, (laughs) Sunday we have the Ohio Bigfoot festival, which is a, a festival that's hosted by, by the United States Bigfoot research association. And they provide all the food for a cookout and, and it's up free to attend. It's for families and kids, and there's going to be lots of how-to clinics, like how to make plaster casts, how to how to re- re- record, uh, you know, audio sounds, how to set up your game cameras, and you know, Bill Dringenis is going to be there and showing how people to use his flying camera system. He's going to demonstrate that. I mean, so that's just a great time. And then the weekend caps off by a family-friendly hike right in the park. So any one with kids or older people will get an idea. We'll take them for a nice walk through the, through uh, South Fork state park, through some nice trails where there's actually been sightings, but it's easy accessible for them. And, uh, you know, and it'll cap off a great weekend. I know it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, man, I'll tell you what, it sounds absolutely fantastic. What, uh, sounds like this year for the, the, this particular conference, it's just off the hook. Uh, I know, I know quite a few attendees, and they're super excited, but Mark, you know these, the, you know conferences in general uh, tend to get um, a bad name sometimes uh, with certain folk, and uh, I don't agree with them. I think these conferences provide a lot of value. A lot of people think it's just a, a place for uh, people to come and kind of uh, rub shoulders and blah blah blah. But I, there's way more to it, in my opinion, uh, and I think you would agree that. There's a lot to um, be learned from these conferences, and uh, there's a lot, you know, you go to these conferences, you know, I bumped into a lot of people at these conferences that attend them out of curiosity, whether they've had an encounter or not, or they're just there to learn something, and I think the benefit for attending these conferences is, is profound. 
Well, yes, that and it's also, to me, the single most important thing is educating the youth. Anything I can do to get kids off their butts and out of video games, I'm not saying their video games are so bad, but, I mean, get out in the woods, kid. That's, I mean, that's why I do so many talks for scout groups and kid youth organizations because, you know, I want to get them in the woods. Let's have fun. Let's hear your best Bigfoot howl. Let's hear your best wood knock. Let's have fun doing it and get them to enjoy it because, you know what, the woods are so critical, I mean, for, for just well-being for people. When you go out in the woods, if you go out a couple of days a week and just go for a walk out in your favorite park or forest, you feel just so much better and uh you know, to me, that's the key. That's why we do this on Sunday. We do the free event because we understand that families can't afford to bring three, four kids at, say, 30 or $40 a ticket, you know, to this event. But yet, if they could come on Sunday, have a free event, get to meet all the speakers, get to interact, get to see how things are done, maybe that will, like, secure, you know, proper Bigfooters for the, you know, future to come. Oh, I think totally that's awesome that you're... You're doing that yeah. that family portion for the event. I mean, there must be a lot of interest in Ohio. Obviously, there's there's uh, there's now three conferences at out South Fork, um, and, <laughs> yeah, no, it's and yours, 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 yours by being you know is by far the largest I know. But uh, um, and we had the opportunity. You came out and uh, visited the. We got to meet you at uh, the uh, Yakima conference. Yes, great conference. And, that, and, and we got to also see your uh, your uh, skills as an auctioneer, which was uh, you did a great job with. I know you got some of my I know you got some of my money. So, uh, it's, uh, how'd you get into that? Is that something that that I'll be honest. Uh, I'm into sales. I'm into field sales. And I do a lot of cold calls, and I also train new salesmen on cold calls. Well, you know, the biggest thing with a cold call is the answer, no. Most people can't take take rejection. You know, me, I see it as a challenge to come back for more. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll conquer them after, you know, five, six visits, and they'll eventually cave in and want to do business with me. And that's, you know, that's just part of my nature. But as in terms of the auctioneering, I've always been into aquarium fish, since I was a kid, and I've always been involved with the clubs in Ohio here. And uh, we'll, we have a big club here called the Ohio Cichlid Association, and I've been the show con- or the convention chairman probably for 20 years, and we do a very large-scale hotel-style event that I organize and uh, that's been taking place, and our club does really well. And, you know, when I first got into Bigfoot, I'm like, geez, we need to do some events that has the hotel that has everything involved. We need to take it to the next level. And, and, uh, you know, and finally that dream came true when Salt Fork came aboard and, uh, um, you know, it's just the sky's the limits. I mean, it's, you know, the thing is, it's, it's very expensive to operate these things. I mean, the expenses is incredible. By the time you buy everything for it, like I bought convention bags, I bought pens, I bought postcards, I bought, you know, I bought all sorts of little throw-ins for the for the uh, attendees and T-shirts. And, you know, by the time you buy a, awards and gifts, and, I mean, it's amazing how fast you can spend money. But you know what? It's, uh, it's 
it's part of the fun, I guess. I mean, like I say, Ohio has a great following, and I think that we need to keep people knowledgeable that, hey, there might be something that fits this description living in our state, and we want people to feel that this is a comfortable venue to come to, that even if you don't want to talk about it, at least you can hear what other people are saying. And when they hear it, they become comfortable, and more than likely they're going to tell you their story. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a win-win for all of us. Yeah, and that's, exactly. I, what, that's been my experience, too, is I've actually, I, I own a grocery store, and I've hold, held a couple of, uh, I call it Squatch Talks, and when we have mm-hmm. to invite people, and every time that we've had people come in, they, um, I've had, I've got new stories, so it's it's uh, it's interesting as how many witnesses are out there that, that um, are holding on to their stories and just haven't felt comfortable, you know, telling somebody about, they're just waiting for somebody that doesn't think they're crazy. And I, I know I've, I've, uh, our friend Larry had had an experience like 30 years ago that, that uh, he had never told anybody about um, mm-hmm. until we met, and and uh, he was able to share it and get it. It's like you used the the, the phrase the, the witness wanted to get it off their chest. It's like I want you know some somebody that's going to listen to my story that doesn't think I'm nuts. So and that's. Well, you know, but see, you went back to the point that 30 years ago, well, 30 years ago, we would have all thought he was nuts. And that's, and that was even, God, I mean, you people were so secretive. I mean, I mean, I, there was a guy that I knew in Fish Club, and for years, I mean, they, I don't know if they knew I was that much into Bigfoot. They did, some of them did, like the main people in there. But one guy, when he found out I was doing the Bigfoot thing, he came up to me and says, do you know where Salt Fork State Park is? I go, well, heck yeah. And he goes, well, you know where Devil's Knob is. I said, well, heck yeah. And he goes, well, I almost walked into one at Devil's Knob. And he went on to say that they were doing a sweep hunt where the, they get the hunters in kind of a line, and they're spread so far apart, and they're basically sweeping the one area to get the deer to kick up. And uh, and hopefully what you do, you have it kind of at an angle so the, the one, the person at the highest point when the deer gets spooked and start running takes the shot and takes it. Well, this Ron guy was at that point the last guy on the line and he says I come around a tree and all of a sudden this thing just quickly turns around I almost walk right into it and he said I let out a scream so loud and it let out a scream so loud he says before I knew what happened I fell backwards and it shot like a bullet off into the woods and to the to his right and he said since that day he goes I've never hunted ever again he says I'll <laughs> that. it scared me so bad and he never told anyone for years. And then when he found out I was into it, he says, you know, i got to tell you this story. And, uh, you know, and that was that. So, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's true. When people have had those stories in the 60s and the 70s, even the 80s, they're terrified to talk about them. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. It's uh, it's funny, though, because I think these conferences do play such a key role, not just conferences, but uh, these large group meetings, like uh, or you know, like Gunner was saying, he has these these little meetings and whatnot. But it gets uh, people in into a, a you know, a lot of times they'll attend them one, two, three, four times before they ever speak, until they actually get a real, really comfortable being in these situations. Uh, because in your day to day life, there's not a whole lot of people to reach out to. You don't know who to trust. Yep. But by attending events like this and whatnot, you, you kind of get this. You know that that feeling. Well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm at least with a group that believes there's a possibility of Sasquatch existing. Let me tell my story or what happened to me. Exactly, exactly. And you know, and like I say, you just have to with the with the people today. 
I always tell them, you have to be skeptical. The kids, they want to believe everything. Mm. And it's like, kids, I guys, I understand, you know, you guys are a great little you know group here, but you guys have to be real honest with yourself. You have to be real skeptical on everything. With all the Photoshop, with all the social media, there's so much stuff. And come on, our inboxes are probably, I get inboxes. I'm flooded <laughs> with stuff that's so BS. It's not even funny. And it's like, well, how do you respond to these people? Well, the best way to respond is you just thank them for their time and tell them we'll look into it and then get back to them and say, well, you know, there's not enough there for anything. Because if you sit there, they want to argue with you about it. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is just to walk away because it's just there's just not enough time in a day to deal with it. I mean, that's that's the tough thing. There's too much information coming in now. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, yeah, too, is that, that, that uh, you have – it, well, we're open to the possibility, you know, and and some of us have had uh, very definitive encounters that that where it couldn't have been anything else. Yes, there's still some of us, and we we still need to be very skeptical and and critical of the evidence in the terms of you know the, of trying to prove an unknown species to the public that. Um, we need to be open to listening, but but very critical of evidence. Real real quick, I just want to tell you guys something. So I'm sitting here talking to you guys, and we're talking about the cookout, so I get a message on the messenger. Hey, are you going to have veggie burgers like last year? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like those kind of things. And, you know, and I love the person that sent that, that message. And, of course, I said, yes, dear, you will get your veggie burgers. <laughs> I don't forget about you, but uh, but it's kind of funny what what people's priorities are now. Oh, veggie burgers! That's it. Who cares about the conference? It's just the veggie burgers. So it's, it's funny. They must be I some mean, damn you know, good just, veggie burgers. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. We that's the thing. And Ohio, we get we get draw from like I think last year we had from thirty four states attend the event. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I mean that's a lot of draw, and uh, so. So I mean, so we have a lot of people satisfied. <laughs> let's just say, yeah. but, the, but we do get a lot of people from all over. So, and by the, the way, is, uh, Gunner, is, thank you for being a sponsor, Sasquatch Coffee. I greatly appreciate. We greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. Look for a, a big box coming this week of uh, 400 packets of uh, coffee. So, well, I won't tell my wife because if she gets her hands on it, oh, geez, <laughs> she'll, she'll be up. She'll be up for a year straight. I mean, so I'll have to hide that. So, no, no, I greatly appreciate that very much. Well, you, you betcha. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, get our coffee when you get into you the hands of of uh, some devoted Bigfooters. So. Well, and, and very very high potential end users too, and you know, in sales, your end users always is your most important you know customer. And like I say, I I can tell that you know that you you have a fabulous product, and you know I drink it extensively at home, multiple two two different types, and uh, obviously I like my Yeti blend the best, but uh, um, <laughs> you know good products uh, you know always make a good sale. That's what I have to say. I appreciate that. So yeah. It's- Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it over to Ohio for the conference, but uh, but the coffee Sasquatch coffee will be there. So, well, there's there, always there's a, uh, May 14th, 2016. That's right. <laughs> and, and there's and Mark is always selling. It's awesome. I mean, you are you. Uh, we talked chatted a little bit in 
in a Yakimon. It was uh, you're you're the consummate salesman, but but a great guy and and uh, and uh, did a great job with the auction up there. I know that was it was a lot of fun. Well, and I and I and I know how expensive Yakima was, and you know, and I told Tom and I told Bob, I said I will be do my best to to you know sell as much as I can for you guys because I knew how expensive that that event was to put on and. And uh, thank God for the generous people in that crowd and the good bidders and seeing value in what was offered and all the great people that contribute that stuff. I mean, for the people mm-hmm. of the, the art community and the craft community and the jewelry community, I mean, that contribute all that great stuff. I mean, you know, without them, these events couldn't succeed because, I mean, the funds right. needed to run them is astronomical. Right. Who's I don't all, think people who's think about that. Yeah, go ahead, Shane. Yeah, I was going to say, who's all contributing to, uh, you know, who's all providing some of their, uh, whether it's uh, cast or artwork, who's all providing, uh, you know, some in, stuff for you guys to try and sell? Well, in, in Ohio, we always get, uh, you know, like Andy Finkel art. We get Rob Roy Menzi. Uh, we get uh, Thomas Finley from England. We always get Alex Evans, Sibylla Christine Irwin. We get Abel, the Abalone Spirit Carver. Steve always contributes. I get... Uh, uh, Lori uh, Lori Cassett out of uh, New York always makes quilts. I mean, uh, Maz Adams, uh, Eric Fangoria. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on. Micah Sorty, of course. Bill Dringinis. I mean, uh, there's. I mean, Walter Tippy from Tip Top Leather Goods. Uh, obviously, Gunner's contributing, and uh, I mean, there's so many people that contribute. I mean, from authors like J.M. Bailey, Lauren Coleman, the International Cryptozoology Museum, they're all contributing. I mean, just people, I mean, I get messages all the time, hey, I'd like to send you a piece of art for your auction. Would it be okay? I'm like, no, please, of course it would be okay. And typically when we get prints and things, we typically, uh, um, you know, have them matted and framed real nice. We have a guy in the group that does that for a living, so he takes care of that and and, – I mean, so in terms of that, I mean, I just get tons of contributions from people. If it's books, it's you know, all these different authors, and and uh, you know, you know, it's, I mean, I it's, it's, I'm not even being fair because there's so many names to name, and I just right. can't think of them. You kind of put me on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. But no, but I mean, I mean, we greatly appreciate all of them, and you guys all know who you are, and uh, you know, you're the reason those these events like this can keep going on. What, well, it always, and it what, takes takes somebody who's willing to to put in the time to organize mm-hmm. those things. Is I it's it's just like a yeah. like guy putting on the hopscotch in Portland. They I I don't think people realize how much goes into to uh, organizing those events and making them happen. I mean, it's it is not an easy task. So uh, no, it's not. The, it's the effort. So I mean, you're talking hundreds of hours of of. You know, organization and get, putting things together, plus showing up for the events and making sure it goes and smoothly. The pub- so. And public awareness too, keeping your campaign right. going, and you know, and that—that's what I like about Facebook. Facebook keeps interest, even though the conference might be done. There's always still people talking, and we can keep talking Bigfoot. And you know, you keep your your fan base involved and intrigued what you're talking about. They're going to keep, you know, coming back to your site, and that's important. Exactly. What Mark, after the conference is all said and done, 
<clears throat> what are your plans after the conference? Are you going to be back on the field? Uh, uh, w- you know, beside uh, obviously uh, gearing up for the next conference, what are your plans just as far as research goes? In, in terms of research, I, I I want to take a serious look into like the Mohican Valley of Ohio. Um, it's an area that over the last maybe 24 months have just consistently is getting reports. And when I see the Mohican Valley, that would be like from Loudonville, Ohio, or Nashville, Ohio, which is in Holmes County. And if you can go down into like Coshocton County, heading down into the Woodbury Wildlife Area, there's just been a real steady stream of reports coming in from there. I'd like to look into it more. I'd like to go to some of these more offbeat nature preserves and take a real good serious look around and maybe camp a few nights here and there with some of my 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 co-investigators and then also i'd like to look down into the southern part of hocking hills Um, i had the pleasure to go into a very rare nature preserve in the last few weeks and i was just i mean this place was like it was like like from an ice age almost it was so like very very little human traffic because it's protected and it was incredibly diverse in in, in nature and and, and uh, everything else and uh, the flora and fauna was incredible and I was like oh geez if I was a Bigfoot this would be a great area to be be around and so I'd like to look more into that and then also I I'm gonna I haven't done any lectures this year which is unusual I usually do a lot in the winter but I kind of told people hey I don't want to book anything after the conference because I really burned myself out last year and so so I have some library lectures coming up in June I, I I'm going to be involved with Bigfoot Adventure Weekends which is an event that Sharon Lee hosts and uh, it's kind of a family-friendly type event where, where uh, uh, you know, it's kind of more one-on-one with a lot of youth and a lot of uh, newbies into the phenomenon. But uh, but on a real personal notice, I mean, it's just a great event, and you get to meet a lot of special kids and and uh, you know, really help them, uh, you know, understand Bigfoot and Sasquatch more and teach them some of the skills that they'll need to become you know, uh, better uh, Bigfooters in the future, let's say. And then uh, oh, and then I will be in July, I'll be out at Beachfoot. I got my oh, ticket attending. over I didn't that. Know that. Yeah, I will be out there. I'll be coming out with my buddy Jeff Christman, who I call Thorin Oakenshield, because he looks like him, and, uh, <laughs> and Brian Davis. And we'll be coming out for, we're going to be out there, I think, for about six, seven days. We're going to fly into Portland, pick up a rental car, and do our thing, and I'm sure we'll hook up with a whole bunch of people. We usually hook up with Cliff or, or some of those guys, and and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And because uh, you know, because I I like going to events where I don't have to do much. But of course, I told Todd Neese, I said, "Hey, you need help with anything? Let me know. I'll be glad to help." Because I love to auction air and I love to raise money. So yeah, and, uh, you know, I just yeah, love to raise done. money for good been- causes. I, I'm sorry. I, I'll definitely, if I have extra money and someone's in need, I'd be glad to send it to you. Might not be a lot, but hopefully it helps. Yeah. So, uh, have you attended a Beachfoot event before, Mark? No, I haven't. I've been invited every year, and Todd always, you know, bombards my my inbox <laughs> about not going, and it's just the timing is never there. Because usually in July, I've typically gone to the big national fish convention for for tropical fish. And in the past four or five years, I haven't been going. So I finally said, you know, I'm going to make the point 
to to get out to this event and Todd was badgering me again this you know this this winter and I said okay Todd I'll come you got me and you know whatever so I'm definitely going to go and I'm going to make a point every year now to come out to one event out in the Pacific Northwest and I'd like to go maybe to that Sasquatch Summit sometime I'd like mm-hmm. to go to a guys event I know guys a great guy and Oh, well, that makes sense. Guy's a great guy. That's kind of like a theme <laughs> or something. But but no, he is. Guy's just a great guy, and and I can tell he's really talented at doing what he does. And I like you know I like to see other like that's what I liked about Yakima because Tom's like, hey, why don't we do a few auctions? You know, be, between every presentation, let's give that a try. So man, that's a good idea. Let's try it and seem to do really well. Do three or four items. Go to the next speaker. Do three or four yeah. items. Go to the next speaker. This way, it keeps people in the room. It keeps people, you know, bidding, and it doesn't too long where they lose interest. So, so that's something that uh, you know I thought was a good learning experience and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely. I wish I could see John Green again. I'd love to go see John again, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I hope you know, see him before you know it's too late. So. Oh, awesome! I can't wait. To, you know, I know Gunner and I will be attending. Beachfoot, and uh, we'll all get to uh, meet up again, and I'm um, really looking forward to it. Beachfoot's a great event, uh, and it's very uh, much the uh, the uh, hands-on, um, you know, you get just to stop and chat with whoever, whenever, and it's just a really fun event, and that time of year, usually here in Oregon, it's decent weather, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of activities, and uh, it's just a really, really fun event. Uh, I enjoy it immensely, and I'm looking forward to meeting you again, Mark. Well, I'm looking forward to to meet you again, and of course seeing you again, Gunner, in in July, and then of course uh, you know you'll see your a banner come in the mail after the conference, and you know I'll get everyone to sign it, you know, of any importance, so you can have something to put it put it put on your wall or whatever your man cave, <laughs> etc. So that's <laughs> something to get looking forward to. It yeah, that um, sounds like a uh, a great another great Ohio Bigfoot conference coming up. Are there? So you're saying it's it's sold out. So if if anybody wanted to come now, it they are it is too late. Or are there some? Well, we we have what you up. call overflow tickets, and uh-huh. those are available the day of the event at the door. And basically, what they are is we have a conference room that the we're only allowed to have 370 people in, according to the fire marshal. And mm-hmm. so those tickets, when they went on sale, I think they went on sale in December or November, I can't remember. Well, they they were sold out in 12 hours. And uh wow. and then and then we have roughly about this year we'll have like 300 overflow tickets and of those probably 175 pre-sold pretty quickly. So then we turned off the sales of those fearing that there would be none left you know, up the day of the event. So we have a, roughly about 100 tickets for sale for the day of event. And when I say overflow, it's a $10 ticket, so it's economy. But it, it you're in separate conference rooms, but it's live streaming audio and video, like with an LCD projector, you know, with it. so you're basically watching all the presentations live, but you're sitting in a separate room. And, uh, you know, last year I think we had about 200, 200 of those you know, last year, this year we got an extra room because we had more demand. We didn't have enough seats, so we'll probably be able to go up to like three hundred this year. So, and then of course you just get tons of people that just come through to check it out. I mean, just people come from all over. 
So it's yeah. it's just a it's it's should I say it's a sea of humanity. That's all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> If you sit there long enough, I think probably everybody in the world will pass by. Oh yeah, yeah, and and like I say, I mean, even the vendor space. I mean, it goes like, I mean, by by the time the 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 event, the ticket sales goes on, and then the vendor tables go available, they're gone in like ten, twelve days. I mean, not, and then they're and then I have a waiting list of like thirty or forty vendors that are waiting for a table to come up if someone cancels, and it's. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just, yeah. I just can't wait till it's over. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and get, get back to business. But, you know, speaking of business, where where do you see uh, uh, research going in the future? You know, there's been so much talk about drone use uh, and different techniques in the field. Where do you see, personally, Mark, uh, where do you see all this research going? Uh, do you, are you seeing positive movements moving forward? Or are you seeing a little bit negativity? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? No, I'd have to say I'm seeing kind of a middle ground. I'm seeing a lot of positive, but I'm also seeing a lot of negative because of the amount of of people that are claiming Bigfoot you know, activity and Bigfoot sightings and sh- these photos with these blobs and stuff. And, and uh, you know, and I think it, what it does, it deters from some of the serious research because you have to take the time to look into it. So then it kills some other valuable time that can be used in other places. And uh, I think, you know, the best bet is to network very well. And that's one thing. We have a very good network of people in our state. We all work together. And we all have a same common cause. We're not here to harm these creatures at all. And uh, we're just trying to find, you know, find a location, you know, one of, and I'm one of those honey holes, let's say, that, uh, you know, you got the things coming up to the property on a regular basis. And we've had stuff like that in the past. And, and then, of course, a property owner goes real weird on you or something, someone gets upset over something. And it's like those type of things I'm just, I'm fed up with. I'm just, I, I just can't handle all this fighting and bickering and hating each other. I, you know, I, I just think that people just need to, you know, hey, if you want to, if you, this is what you think, that's fine. Do it on your own. And what I do is, you know, I do it on my own. And if you want to come with me, you're more than welcome. You know, I always have an open invite with people. You know, if you want to come out of the woods, I'd be glad to take you out no problem at all and uh but i don't want you to expect that everything is going to be bigfoot and you know and 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 some of you guys that have been in the field as long as i have i mean come on i can remember six seven months of going out you know four or five days every month even more maybe 10 days a month and not having anything happen at all nothing and thinking to myself what am i doing out here what an idiot I'm wasting time, and then all of a sudden you get a one night where something really good happens, and what happens? You're pumped up again. You're ready to go through a wall to to get things done. And uh, so it's 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 a fu- it's a fine line. And I I guess the best thing to do is to I always say, well, how long how long have you been in this? And and then when they say, well, I've been in it for a year. Well, in ten years, if you're still here, I'll consider I'll consider that you know a, a huge success because you've you've bet you've you've held out, you've stayed true to your cause, and and that's what people need to do. You need to stay true to your cause, but you also need to be you know be your own skeptical. And and that even even though I had an encounter, I'm very skeptical on everything. I just have to be, and uh, you know. Like I say, I think it's just it's 
it makes me a healthy researcher, if I may say, you know, being more skeptical. Yeah. And, uh, gotcha. yeah, I mean, that's the way I, I like it. And, uh, you know, and I love to hear reports. I love to hear old historical reports. Because so, to me, yeah, those even are more credible because those people are taking those risks of talking about it now. They were terrified to talk about it. But, uh, you know, nowadays anyone can submit a report to any organization. I mean, yeah. so... I mean, I've had reports come on five different things I'm involved with, the same exact report. They're almost like fishing to see who comes first, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But but I, I totally agree with you. Collaboration with uh, a lot of like-minded, sound, uh, scientific minds, individuals, uh, groups is absolutely key. You know, I'm a part of the Limber Project, and I work with Gunner with the Tillamook Group, and we collaborate regularly. I mean, uh, I think it's key that collaboration, whether it's uh, in state or out of state, it, I have I fully believe it's key uh, to <clears throat> solving yeah. the, the puzzle and at least collaborating with uh, whether it's recordings, um, uh, castings, or just uh, whatever have you. I, I have to I absolutely believe that is key in uh, not being closed minded. You know, there's a lot of people out there that won't share stuff. Well, where where does that truly get you at the end of the day? Get you, it doesn't get you anywhere. If people anywhere. ask where I had my encounter, I will give them the exact location. Feel free. I hope to hell you have a sighting. Please have one. You know, I mean, I, I agree a thousand percent. We have to just let it go and be willing to share because, you know what, maybe someone will luck out. Maybe someone will get the, the you know, the, the premiere uh, video or picture or, or whatever. But, I mean, I would really like to see the day where these things are just basically considered real living animals and mm-hmm. the whole country, the whole world, and then we can take it to the next level and learn even more. I think it's it's deserving for the for these these animals. I mean, you know, as incredible as they are. I mean, but we need to we need to conserve them and we need to protect them. Yeah. Well, I, I, and speaking I agree of the Olympic work. project, I just got my T-shirt in the mail and hat too. So thank you, Derek. Awesome. I, I really like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. Hey, thank you, Mark. <laughs> thank you. Uh, um, really we've appreciate got a that. Of callers that have. Whoop, I'm sorry, talking over you. We've got a couple Go of callers that have questions, so. I, are you, are you ready to take a call? Yes. What are they going to buy? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, Henry May. Yeah. Hey, guys. Oh. Henry hey, May. Hey, guys. Hey, Mark. Yeah. What's I'm going on, forward. Henry? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conference. Looking forward to getting there. I'm going to be getting in there on uh, Thursday evening, and I'm going to leave on Monday morning. So, yeah, and I'm all set. Hopefully there won't be any travel issues. I I'm not anticipating any, but... <laughs> well, just make sure you get on the right flight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, as far as um, the reports from Eastern Ohio, um, I know that uh, a lot of people have said that the Woodbury Wildlife Area is probably the squatchiest area in Eastern Ohio. Would you concur with that? Yes, no doubt. I mean, all you have to do is look at the map of that area. All it is, it's dotted with hundreds and hundreds of lakes and creeks and streams that feed major river systems. And if you look at just the sheer, you know, uh, lack of population in those areas, 
the amount of deer that are being harvested out of there, turkey being harvested, and the amount of species that are being documented in there, it's just such a perfect place because it's kind of a a hideaway to the old strip mines, and a lot of people don't like going into those areas. And yet it offers a very wide array of terrain from real hilly to high ridge lines pine forests, obviously many hardwood forests, but it also has open meadows in between these forests, lots of freshwater lakes and little ponds and stuff. So it's just a, it's kind of like, a, you know, you know, it's a, just like a perfect place for for the Ohio uh, Bigfoot to live in. And uh, yes, I would have to say that's probably one of the best places. There could be better, but remember, some of those areas in extreme southern Ohio don't have much population. So we will never know, basically. Right. Uh, now, also about Salt Fork, um, do you really think that there is an uptick of quote-unquote activity like during the Ohio Conference weekend? I mean, I've heard a certain individual say that, uh, you know, that, that anything that happens at Salt Fork during a conference weekend, take with a grain of salt. I, I think I would agree with that because – you know, there's people that want attention. I remember before I was doing the conference on my own that I would go and one year the same kid twice found tracks. And, uh, you know, come on, how often does the same kid found <laughs> yeah. tracks? And, uh, you know, and obviously he took his time carving them too. But, uh, I mean, so, I mean, the first time I saw them the first year, I knew they were BS. And, you know, people look for attention. I mean, could something happen? Well, sure. Yeah, I'm sure it could. But you know what? I, if I was someone and I had a sighting that weekend, I wouldn't tell a soul. I would wait a couple, two, three weeks afterwards, let everything die down, then find the right contact person and say, hey, I didn't want to interrupt your event. And, you know, I think I saw one of these things during that weekend because, you know what? I'm sorry, when people walk in, I heard her sighting and there's a thousand people. What do they do? They flock to them. It's all attention getting and stuff. Yeah. So I would take it for a grain of salt. I am. I will tell you right now, Salt Fork has had legitimate Bigfoot reports. But to sit there and say that, you know, all year around everything's happening, I think is not being, you know, uh, honest with yourself. And, uh, yeah, there's great areas. I mean, you could go 10 miles away from the state park and there could be plenty of them around. But believe me, that's the busiest state park in Ohio. And all those people are there from Labor Day to Memorial Day or vice versa, Memorial Day to Labor Day. And, uh, you know, that's there's a lot of people, a lot of foot traffic. So what do you think Bigfoots are going to do? You think, hey, there's more people. Let's party. No, they're going to go <laughs> find more isolated areas where they can lay low in the daytime, and then once night comes around, they go and do their usual routine of of, clean, of getting what they need to eat. I mean, so, so yeah, I mean, cell phone's great, but, you know, it's, like I say, it's just you got to be honest with yourself. Right, yeah. Um, I guess that's all I had to say, but I am looking forward uh, to the conference. And, I mean, yeah, well, Henry, we always look forward to you, so. Yeah, we're less than three weeks away. It's, it's, it's amazing that it's this close already. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Like I say, I can't wait until like three weeks and four days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thanks, Henry, for calling in, buddy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, just to put me back on mute. All right. Safe Absolutely. travels, Henry. <laughs> We've got another another gentleman that's uh, got a question. So let's see. Area code 903. Michael, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Can you guys hear me? Which, 
Yeah, I can hear you fine. You yeah, have a this is Mike. Mr. Dwarf? What's going well, on, I, Mr. Hall? How are you? I, I'm good. I just wanted to say thanks for the plug and on the film. Uh, uh, we're we're extremely excited to be bringing the film to Ohio. Uh, it, 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 it's been a long process. I think I actually contacted you uh, about the ago. film two years ago when we when yeah. we were in pre-production, and uh, I think I contacted you again while we were actually getting ready to go film, and uh, it was something that we knew we wanted to do, and uh, the the idea of the film uh, being that I. <laughs> David Ford is the uh is the gentleman who wrote the script and and directed uh, uh and he called me because he knew I was also a a researcher and he just asked the question he said do you think a film uh like this would would sell and I was like well yeah i mean all you got to do is is look at the numbers of uh the ratings of finding bigfoot uh, TV show and you, you know, all the books and all the the different uh, t- you know TV shows that are out there that that broach the subject of Bigfoot Sasquatch and I said yeah it's a hot topic and I said, what, do, what do you have in mind and and over the next two and a half hours he he laid out the script and uh, I said wow that's that's amazing and what I wanted to say on your show. Gunner and and Shane, I, I and I thank you for taking my call. Um, Absolutely, was so that researchers and people that are listening to your show and everything understand this film is not your typical monster uh, turning Bigfoot into uh, Jason or Freddy Krueger, where he comes in and kills all the campers or the teens or anything like that. This is thank this God. Is, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no this joke. Is, this uh this film is a compilation of actual uh reports or stories uh, uh one of them being the Cal Manicopolis beach uh with a little bit of uh, parts of the story from uh, the the Ruby Creek incident and uh uh several other reports that that David had himself gone online and and read and researched about and then and he contacted me. He was like, "You've been in the field." And then he said, "You've actually had a few sightings, or a couple of sightings, over the last 15 years." He said, uh, "Let's talk about what the Bigfoot or Sasquatch do, so that we can get it right in the story." And uh, so I, uh, I'm a researcher, uh, but you know, professionally, I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. And I had met David. Uh, on us on another movie uh, we had worked uh, worked on together uh, that was released last fall by Lionsgate called The Devil's Deal and that's where we started our conversation about Bigfoot uh, on the set we between shots we would talk about it and so this whole fascination started actually four or five years ago when we were filming and so this story is the film itself is focused on the research community, what they would expect uh, or see uh, from a story that really delves into it um, and not some Hollywood version of what would happen. And uh, I hope that everybody that's listening that comes to Ohio uh, 
to the conference. Uh, when, when they see the film, they can appreciate it for what it is and and uh, really enjoy it. And we're excited about bringing it there. It's uh, Mark's been such a great uh, uh, champion of ours uh, for bringing it there. And uh, well, I like that I can't, term. I, yeah, you're 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 our champion as far as uh, this is going to be the first public showing of it anywhere. Um, so we're excited about that. Uh, we're also scared to death uh, of that well, because we know that you don't have the to, audience. You, you don't have to worry. I, I have the chicken wire installed, so and I'll make sure the beer bo- I'll make sure the beer bottles are plastic. So when they start throwing at them, just put sunglasses on. You won't have to worry. Okay, good, good. No, I'm just glad that you took the time to keep in contact and keep me informed that you're still interested because, I mean, I get just an insane amount of requests to premiere their movies and things like that. And I am, I'll be honest with you, and I know some people like the slasher movies and stuff. I'm I'm really not a big fan of that because, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of us here know that Bigfoot isn't the, the slasher running around the woods killing people. And uh, so I try to be picky and choosy on things, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the people that like the slasher movies because if you, you like that, hey, I understand. But but when I heard what you were telling and, and, and who was involved and seeing the trailers and, you know, those are the types of things I like, I, and that's why I was the Minerva Monster. That's that's right here in home, and people are going to be right. real interested on that too because it's it's their people know about Minerva, people read about it. So you know, so I just think it's going to be a huge asset having your film on Friday, having the Minerva on Saturday, and it'll give people that don't want to go out in the woods and goof off all night or do whatever they want to do, go research or whatever, a, a place to come, sit and watch. Learn and see a brand new, you know, presentation of either a movie or a documentary, and and you know, and hopefully it'll lead to you know high reviews, and hopefully it'll lead to you know yes. people purchasing it and things like that. I mean, and I know you you said you weren't going to have it available at the event yet because it's not ready, but uh, you know, well, but hopefully it'll lead you to future sales of the of the film. Oh so yeah, where, right. Where yeah. can people uh, find or help you out on this this particular film uh, on Facebook? Uh, where can the people right. look? Well, you you can go to Facebook and you can put in something in the woods, uh, mm-hmm. and and the Facebook page will come up. We have a, an Instagram page. Uh, uh, it w- I think it's uh, actually on Instagram. It's something underscore in underscore the underscore woods, uh, and we also have a Twitter account. But they're all all of those accounts are linked together, and uh, we. Uh, all of our information about the film, the trailer, uh, and, and I tell people all the time, the trailer that we have out uh, was something that we threw together really quickly before we had a chance to actually go mm-hmm. in and do any anything with the footage uh, uh, initially. We do have, hopefully by this next weekend, we'll have a brand new trailer out that has the color grading and the sound and the music and everything uh the way it should look and we'll be putting that out on the Facebook page and, and keeping people informed. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, super excited about, about this particular film. I'll be honest with you. I, I've seen some of the kind of the previews and whatnot. I've been following it and I have liked it. Uh, I'm looking for you right. to get to that number. I think it's uh, 3,000 likes on Facebook. But uh, oh, yeah. super excited cool. about this. And it's going to be at the Ohio Conference, which is a just Wow, what what is a venue? Um, super excited for both you guys, Mark and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's it's just uh, it'd be a fun time and a lot of new things coming out. So awesome stuff. 
Yeah, and yeah. and we're very excited about it. And uh, I, I wanted to stay, say this before I let you go, um, just so the audience knows, the, the film that we're bringing to Ohio is, what we're going to show in Ohio is only going to be actually about 95 to 98% complete where we as filmmakers uh, uh, will feel comfortable with it going forward to a distribution company. There's still going to be some little tweaks and some little things that we're going to have to fix that we just ran out of time on. And the majority of the film is complete. It's uh, uh, According to David and everything that I've worked on the last uh, few weeks, it's uh, it's wow. Uh, <laughs> awesome. It, it, I, I'm blown away. One of the scariest, or I think one of the scariest or coolest things, if depending on how you look at it, was when we were getting ready to film. I we were talking about how the we wanted the, the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch to look, and we were trying to find uh, someone to do the costume. And David calls me all excited. He said, "We got a guy. We got a guy that does uh, special effects, makeup, and it, and everything." I was like, "Great. Uh, where'd you find him?" Is he in California? Is he, you know, is he in Hollywood or, you know, where is he? And uh, he said, no, he's here in Texas. And I said, oh, okay, so he, this is what he does for a living. He goes, oh, no, he, he owns a coffee shop. <laughs> and, I, and I just immediately, my heart sunk. And uh, I, I think it was the weekend we were actually going to start filming. Uh, David sent me a link of a video that the guy had shot in his workshop of of the actual uh, costume, and until that moment, I was so terrified because it it wouldn't have mattered about the script or the acting or the the locations or the cinematography if the creature didn't look realistic. the The story was going to fall apart. And when I saw that video, I was like, "Wow, this guy needs to be in, he needs to be in Hollywood because." This I'm telling you guys, when you see it on the screen, you're going to go, they did it right. And uh, I, I was just, I, I hope that that's the case with everybody that's in the audience. So, again, yeah. Mark, thank you so much. You're more than welcome. We'll, we'll see you in about three weeks then. Yeah, and and we can't wait. And Gunner, thanks for getting me on, and, and Shane. And you guys had a great show. I love listening to you guys, and uh, uh, it's been a real treat. So. And uh, All right, if Henry, if you're, uh, yeah, and this is a bucket list event for me anyway too, because I've I've always wanted to go, so this was my chance. Very cool. Thanks, so guys. Have a. We are yes, go up ahead. against the clock. We are at, at just at the end of our show, so um, I'd yeah. like to thank Mark and Michael for call calling in. But Mark uh, Deworth, thank you, sir, for for coming and joining us today, and. I look forward to hearing how the conference went. Um, I'm sure it'll be kick-ass uh, and uh, hearing reviews of, of something in the woods. And I can't wait. I, 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 that's one of the Bigfoot movies that I've been looking forward to seeing. So, um, well, the good, the, good thing, the good thing is if we need to use the chicken wire, it'll all be recorded, and we'll post that too. <laughs> so, no, it'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad you guys had me in. Even though I'm very dead tired, you guys kind of woke me up here, so that was good. And uh, it was right. nice to hear Henry and, and everyone and Mike call in. And 
So, uh, like I say, I appreciate it very much and uh, and your, all your support and just the whole Bigfoot community support. You guys have always been so good and supportive of Ohio and the Ohio Bigfoot scene and the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. And I look forward to being able to help some of you guys out in the future at your events and, and so on. So I appreciate it, and you guys have a wonderful evening. Hey, thanks, Mark. Shane, we'll be back next week at 4 p.m. West Coast time. And we'll be having um, Summer Laurie uh, will be on the show uh, to talk about uh, she's writing a book on on little-known um, cryptids. And, of course, we'll be talking about Bigfoot. So join us next weekend, Sunday, 4 p.m. Pacific, on Monster X Radio. Keep it squatchy.